Bible Study Podcast. I am your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we are going to conclude our look at what is the will of God. This study is intended to look at both the will of God for humanity overall, as well as in our own individual lives. So without any further ado, let's get a, let's continue and conclude our look at what is the will of God. We're going to flip over next to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 3 to 8. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So, that's, you know, an incredibly clear verse as far as one element of the will of God is sanctification, to abstain from sexual immorality, which encompasses all sexual activity outside of a marriage parameter between a man and a woman. It's that simple. It's laid out clearly within the Bible. Jesus laid out the structure of marriage, what it entails. He also laid out the um, different types of sexual immorality people can partake in. And it's clear that the will of God is, again, this the uh, sexual immorality is unique in the sense that it doesn't just, um, all sin affects your body and is external in a sense. But sexual immorality affects the soul and the spirit because you're spiritually connected to any other person or thing or object you engage in sexual activity with. So we as Christians are called to abstain from any sexual activity outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. It's that simple. It's that clear. It's that concise. Um, looking at the note here from, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. At this point, the apostle turns to the exhortations that customarily form the second half of the letters. He urges renewed attention to the commandments he had given while with them. Rather, a surprise in the context is an appeal to the will of God here defined as your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. For a largely Gentile audience, the advice is relevant and specific. An echo of this highly practical definition of sanctification occurs in the closing prayer for entire sanctification, including the body. So 
again, it's just, you know, sanctification comes down to abstaining from sexual immorality. It's a big deal to God, a huge deal. It's highly offensive to him. God made sex to be a wonderful thing to be enjoyed within the parameters of a marriage between a man and a woman. And um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with um, in fully enjoying sex within those parameters. But, you know, again, God gives us these warnings for good reason, because any sexual immorality leads to emptiness leads to destruction of the body. And as one who's partaken in sexual morality, I can tell you those spiritual ties and bonds you have with those people, when, look, it's pretty easy, like adult dating, for example, you know, um, these days, I mean, with apps and everything, people are running around, sleeping around left and right. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, STDs are on the rise. I see a commercial these days where, it's crazy that this commercial would say this, but um, it's a commercial about herpes. And, um, you know, it starts off saying a lot of people have herpes these days. How disgusting, how how vile is that, that that's their perspective? I mean, they're selling a product, but at the same time, I mean, there is a rise in STDs and that's directly correlated to the lack of morality within our society, the the crumbling of the moral fiber of our society because God has been rejected and this embracement of sexual immorality. It's right there in front of us and it's all over the place. And, um, you know, it starts with that, um, you know, with the things you're doing privately alone, and then you can only do them privately and alone for so long before you have to act them out. And then people start going down strange paths and um, start engaging in things that, um, you know, we're called to abstain from. And you reap the bodily harm and the spiritual death of partaking in those things and sometimes physical death, too. You know, there's, you know, talk about, you know, murder, suicides, love triangles, all these things. It's hurtful. When you find out, you know, you're in a relationship, a marriage or a serious relationship, you find out your partner's, you know, unfaithful, that's brutal, devastating. Unfortunately, I've been on both sides of that. And um, it's just, it's a horrible time in life. And you don't want to be involved in that. Trust me, it is destructive. It's the last thing that's, I believe, you know, it's, it's very hurtful. Um, sexual immorality, I believe it's so, um, it's part of the sanctification that's stressed there because it is very hurtful and painful. And I believe a lot of that deep hurt and pain is because you are spiritually joined with everyone you sleep with and, um, and have, I, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. Everyone you have sexual relations with. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's brutal when, when that's that trust and that relationship is violated, it's, it's destructive and it causes a lot of hurt and pain. And it's just, um, it's, it's wise to heed the warnings against that specific thing. So let's look at Matthew chapter six, verse 33 next, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. So 
what that's saying there is rather than being preoccupied with material things, our ambition should be to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, knowing that as we do so, he has pledged himself with covenant faithfulness to respond. All these things shall be added to you. So that's like step one in knowing the will of God and seeking the will of God is to seek first the, his kingdom and his righteousness, and then everything will be added to you. So, you know, you can't start to seek or walk out the will of God without first seeking his will, his righteousness, and his kingdom. And believe me when I say God is very faithful in adding all things to you. Um, he will do that. He is glad and happy to do that. And, um, you know, there's, it's incredible when you make conscious choices for God when he starts to bless you in ways that you would have never expected, and then you're um, you're able to really enjoy, you know, life, genuinely enjoy the relationships, the things you're doing in life, because you're in the will of God. Again, there's the bigger picture of just following God's commandments, seeking his kingdom first. And then having all things added unto you as, you know, in God's timing. Don't try to rush things because, trust me, as one who's tried to rush things, uh, you know, you don't want to uh, try to race past God's will and God's timing for your life. Because it will lead to utter devastation, <laughs> destruction, and failure in that part of your life. And sometimes, depending on what that part of your life is, it can have a broader effect on other areas of your life. So be cautious with it, with how you approach, again, life and seeking God's will for your life. One essential element to fulfilling God's will for our lives is waiting on the Lord and being patient because, again, it's pretty easy to see if something is of the Lord and if something isn't. If it's sinful, it's not God's will for you. Plain and simple. That's it. Okay, so I'll just leave it there. We're going to finish up here and look in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So looking down here at the note for Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Knowledge. The heretics promised their followers new knowledge. See Greek Gnosticism. It's just, you know, just secret knowledge, whatever you want to call it, occultism, which is self-serving, which again, that whole idea, occultism, it's all self-serving. It's all, they're just basically their own gods. They're seeking their own 
glorification, their own um, higher elevation, whatever you want to call it. It's all garbage. It's all Gnosticism, occultism. Um, but Paul prays that the Colossians fully attain to and be controlled by the fullest and clearest knowledge of God's will. To walk worthy of the Lord describes a radical commitment of will, affection, and disposition to pleasing Christ. Fruitfulness, growth in godly knowledge, divine empowerment, and thankfulness characterize such a walk. So that's going to conclude. You know what? No, it's not. We are going to look at one more thing here because I think it's important to look at this last section. And this last section we're going to look at is a, another excerpt from the book Spiritual Answers to Hard Questions, written by Mr. Pat Robertson. And um, this is addressing how can I know God's will? The best way to know God's will is to be familiar with the Bible. That is because virtually everything you need to know concerning the will of God is in the Bible. If you get to know God's word and understand it clearly, you can know the will of God. Another way you can know the will of God is through prayer. When you commune with God and learn what pleases him. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. This means that the peace of God is like a regulator. So that when you violate the will of God, his peace leaves you and you have inner turmoil, immediately discovering you are going against God's will. Knowing God's word and knowing the peace that comes about through a continuous relationship with him are the best ways of knowing God's will. It is also true, however, that God will show us his will through a number of other means. He will show us his will through godly counselors. He can also discern God's will, excuse me, we can also discern God's will in part through circumstances, through the inner voice of the Spirit of God speaking to us, or through visions or dreams. He can reveal his will to us in many ways. The key is to be sure that we are submitted to him and are willing to do whatever he shows us. If we purpose to do his will, we will know his leading. Finally, for people who seemingly are unable to discern God's positive directions, I recommend negative guidance. Say, Father, I want your will above all else. Please do not, not let me miss your plan and purpose for my life. Such surrender has the guarantee of his guidance. So quickly there, I mean, one thing, one prayer that I pray often, especially when I'm at a point of decision, you know, is sort of like what I recently prayed um, when I had some temptation facing me. I said, Lord, close this door and just slam it shut. And sure enough, God did that. And, you know, basically that goes along with this bigger theme of 
You can pray, God, open doors that are your will and close doors that are not your will. And if you're open and receptive to how God responds and you don't fight his will, then he can pretty plainly open and close those doors. So an example would be, you know, if you have plans to do something, for example, that you know isn't exactly the most godly activity and you pray, God, close this door. Well, don't be surprised if those people that you have plans with may call you and say, hey, uh, we're not going to do this. We're going to do something else. Or who knows? It might be that you're driving on your way to that place and you get a flat tire and can't make it. Don't pray for the spiritual discernment to be able to understand God's will and God's guidance in your life as well. Because believe me, God will respond to your prayer, but you also must be responsive and obedient to his response. So um, don't be surprised, you know, if... God will add and he will take away from your life according to his will and according to his ultimate purpose. Because, again, let's look at the bigger picture here. We are all tools and instruments of God and being used for his divine purpose at the end of the day. That's why I try to take the personal aspect and the whole will of God for my life thing out of it sometimes. Because, again, this study is not focused on necessarily a um, personal seeking of the will of God for each and one of our lives, because ultimately the real purpose is God's purposes for humanity. And we are simply called to be available to be used by God. However, he may use us to serve his purposes. So again, it's a beautiful thing. God blesses us individually and uniquely with specific gifts. But please, we have to keep in mind here that the ultimate purpose is God's purpose, which is always the intent. Now, of course, he has a personal, unique love for humanity because Jesus and um, God sent his son to die for humanity, for the world. Not for a dog, not for a cat, not for an animal, as fun as they may be and as much joy as they may bring in our lives. God loves us, humanity, as a very unique, special being and creation that we are the only ones imaged directly from God. And we are the only ones in which God himself breathed his life into our lungs initially and started this whole process of humanity, as you can reference back in Genesis, which, again, I mean, when you really look at God and the depths of God, he's incredible. He loves us. He wants all of us to walk out his will for our lives. And one of the simplest prayers you can pray over any situation in life is simply, God, not my will your will be done. And I guarantee you, if you're open and receptive and walking in the ways of the Lord, that prayer in itself will never lead you astray. But you also must pray for discernment 
eyes to see, ears to hear, so that you have understanding that when God does respond and do things in your life, you have the wisdom and understanding to see that that's God working and that's not necessarily you just having bad luck or you having good luck or anything like that. Again, it goes back to that verse in James where we have to have a true understanding that it is not us, it is not our wills, it is if God wills, things will happen in our life. And we must be open and receptive to, again, walk through those doors that are open to us and understand that when doors are closed and it's God's will for those doors to be closed, there is a great reason for it. And, you know, the dual purpose of God's will going and us being instruments of that, as well as our best interests are always in God's mind as well, then, you know, that's pretty incredible. But we have to be open and receptive and understanding that, you know, God's purposes are uh, are the ultimate goal in this. I mean, when we really look at Jesus came to fulfill God's will, well, God's will for Jesus was to be that sacrifice, you know, and, um, you know, that's a pretty tough pill to swallow, you know, as far as Jesus knowing why he was here, knowing he was here to do the will of the Father, and knowing that his ultimate destiny was to be crucified and to have his blood shed for the redemption of sins of the entire world. It's incredible what Jesus did for us. It's also incredible to think now. It's December 23rd, 2020, as I record this, and we're two days away from Christmas, the day we celebrate Jesus being born and coming into this world, um, you know, at least in the Western world. And, um, you know, that's a pretty incredible thing, thinking that he was born as an infant, you know, to a woman that was used by God. Um, and it's a pretty incredible thing when you look at just God's plan and his will for um, humanity and his will that ultimately all would come to know him and would be, you know, saved and redeemed through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. So, that's going to conclude our look for now at what is the will of God. I hope that provided some clarity. I know I definitely got some clarity just going through those verses and that study. So God bless and have a great day.